Welcome to Rockstar Today, the podcast that helps musicians quit their day jobs. Show notes can be found on rockstartoday.com forward slash podcast. You will also find a link to sign up to the Rockstar Today Backstage Pass Facebook group. And now your host, Randall. So we're here at Rockstar Today. This is kind of a special episode for me because... Well, I'm going to give you a couple stats. This might be a new podcast for the listeners, but it's not a new podcast for me and for my guest. My guest is Kevin Jenny, who's a world-renowned international artist. He's had shows pretty much across the world, all the way down to Asia, New York. Uh, we've, I mean, I've been to a few of them, uh, as many as I can. Half my house is, more than half my house, most of the art in my house is from your collection at different points of your career, which is awesome. But we had a show and our first episode, April 24th, 2006. No way. That was our first episode wow. of Outside the Artist Studio. Yeah. This was the pre-podcast number one. The title was Spot the Fraggle and Win. Wow. Which is... It's been a while. Based on a painting that I have oh, in my... Right. In my stairway to Kevin. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I remember that. It's one of those paintings that had sort of a, 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 little, a little hidden message in it, yeah. but not intentional. I have a, a a basement in my house, and we have a stairway, and basically I have all your paintings along that stairway. That's why yeah. I call it my stairway to Kevin. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> and our last episode was September 13, 2009. We were in the town of Tequila. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, on top of the hotel, yeah, and right next to this church. Because I remember at one point during the recording, yeah. the bells of the church actually rang. Yeah. And that was the last episode. So really, this is not a new podcast. This is more of the return from a hiatus. Yeah, for sure. And I got to say, I've, I've never had a co-host <laughs> quite like you. Uh, We've had some good times, and we did a lot of uh, really interesting podcasts all about helping artists basically make a make a run out of mm. it and and start a business out of their art yeah and uh the, the new podcast rockstar today is based on that same principle i want to help musicians quit their day jobs being able to live off their art it's something that we started so long ago i mean you know this is 12 years ago this is before podcasts were even a thing yeah i know if like back then, we were we would have to tell people what a podcast was. Exactly. And now it's uh, it's it's gone mainstream. Maybe we should have kept it up. <laughs> we should have, but there was a lot in between, you know. Like, uh, I mean, you moved to Mexico, yeah. you know, and that was really kind of hard for us to. We did a couple episodes, like I mean, we finished with the tequila episode, but you know, there was a couple of uh, gaps there. Then it was uh, hard to be uh, faithful about being like on time. Like now, if you want to have uh, shows that are you know, regular, and it was hard because of the distance and the internet back, at the, yeah, back the in the day wasn't, the technology wasn't there. Yeah, and also, like, you you know, like, we're, we're recording this in a, a completely different setup than we would have in the previously. Yeah, my gear was so complicated now, and I now I have a, just a sure microphone plugged into my iPhone, and that's my recording gear, so it's pretty awesome. I think, I, I think you'll still have to uh, edit out my ums. You know? No, they're they're staying in this time. Oh no way! It used okay. to take me hours. I know. Okay. <laughs> and I knew that we had got some sort of success in terms of listeners when we got some hate mail. Ah, yeah. mostly directed at me. No. 
And I, I remember somebody saying like, oh, uh, you know, that guy Randall, he's just shut up because he keeps interrupting this brilliant guy, Kevin, as he's, no, no, no. As he's saying all his wisdom. It wasn't me, I remember. I, it was Sarah Carone we were interviewing because she had like marketing for artists and yeah. we had this incredible episode and uh, we were laughing through the whole thing. So then I think that people were getting annoyed that we were laughing a little too much while she had all this incredible information. So all through the years... Uh, we've encountered, and I, I know for myself, I know that you have had these adventures yeah. throughout these years, which are always amazing stories, which is why I started the podcast in the first place. But you've learned so much along the years. We've, you have friends that are uh, famous winemakers like Sarah yeah. and the Corona Winery, which is a, a winery here in Quebec. You have famous DJs that you hang out with and that you get to know. You have other artists that are become very successful. So along the many years, you know, even since our hiatus, what have you learned from all these experiences in terms of helping you as an artist, as a creative, uh, you know, do something interesting with your work? Yeah, it's it's really taken off. I mean, like music, I think uh, the visual arts has taken a, a, a complete turn. You know, there's a lot of art galleries that have closed. The whole retail aspect of uh, selling visual art paintings is a little bit more difficult than it used to be. Uh, I used to have art galleries that would sell a tremendous amount of work and you would have these exhibitions and it would be great. You know, you would sell uh, many paintings in a, in a show, but now uh, it's a little bit harder. You know, it's harder. You have to sort of take a lot of you have to do a lot more yourself. You have to take charge. You can't rely on other people to do it for you. So I think that's one of the big ones. And you have to be really innovative and thinking, you know, in terms of finding different ways to, uh, you know, like I'm, I think the biggest lesson would be transferable skills. Being an artist allowed, like you think that it's just for painting, you know, just putting mm -hmm. like paint on canvas and selling, make, creating a beautiful image and then selling it to someone who appreciates it. But there's more to that. There's uh, the thought process behind it, like thinking creatively, what will work, how to visualize something and make it make it interesting. But I think in terms of you can actually do that in business, uh, you can find different ways of approaching a problem and making money, you know, and, and I think it's very possible. I've expanded into doing video, video work, which oh. is uh, really, really uh, exciting and uh so you're embracing the the digital aspect yes i've taken the, the 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 skills i've did for 20 years of painting got an eye pencil ipad i started drawing and doing animation you know and doing a, a variation of art with that so that's one part of my my business now as an artist the other thing is um an entirely different business grew up out of event painting being hired by corporations to do uh painting at a party then at the end they get to keep the painting you know, and that's that requires a completely different thought process because, in terms of thinking, it's part of a it's kind of a performance. It, it's a, yeah, you're being watched, and it has you have to perf like you have to get it done in four to five hours, sometimes less. So you have to really think about how am I going to approach this to get the maximum amount of detail in uh, with distraction. So you have to plan a little bit ahead, but at the same time adapt. So it's really interesting. Like, I really love it, you know, and it, it's a completely different business. And I did uh, like two weekends ago, I did my first wedding. I got hired to to paint at a wedding and it was a really, really fun experience. So how did that come about? What was the steps that got you in front of that person 
who asks you to, to paint at their wedding? I think it really has to do with good SEO, uh, really good, you know, having an, uh, a website and having it always, you know, posting different events, post always posting in different web forms, you know, like mm -hmm. blogs. I think that's really big because every single event I've done has been through the web, people finding me, you know, because they, they have this idea and they want that. So throughout the years, I've known you for, I mean, so many years, we've been friends for pretty much as long as I can remember. Yes. And the one thing that always sticks out whenever I think about Kevin, <laughs> I think about the people that you meet and the connections that you make kind of serendipitously, like, like, like a, that I, I, I'm not even sure if I said that word right. Serendipitous? Yeah. You have this way of connecting with people in all kinds of different circumstances. And you're, it's not like you're an extrovert. Like you're, you're not this person who like has got this bigger than life personality, but you seem to be able to make connections with all kinds of different people, which seems to open doors for you. Mm. All throughout your career, you've met people like, uh, had, you know, shows in New York, been on a TV show. Mm, yeah. These were all things that kind of were opened up to you basically by connections that you made, like one-on-one -on -one connections. What have you learned over the years that has kind of been a secret that you can maybe share with the audience on how to make those connections? And uh, like, what do you do? Do you, do you talk about yourself? Do you... Oh, I'm really good at talking about myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that it really does have to do with... I'm actually thinking about it as you speak because I'm, I'm wondering... Well, it comes naturally, right? So... To me, is a gift. When 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 you don't have to think about it, it's that's a gift. Right. But when you actually stop and think and break it down, then you actually see that the, you know, there's a formula to it. Like you go to events and you're you're quite open, I find. Mm. And you'll just start conversing with people with no prejudgment of who they are. Right. And just see where the conversation takes you. And oftentimes, it takes you to very interesting places. Yeah. All of the times that that has happened often, and I'm, I don't really know, I think it's uh, sort of really embracing a flow state, you know, being in the moment and and maybe seeing an opportunity. I, I really like to see things happen, especially with art. Like, I really like to see projects. I like to fulfill projects, and I've always got something on the horizon, and I, I get a real thrill from that. So I think that when an opportunity arises, I kind of see it. I may, and it's great being an artist because it's a visual, it's a uh -huh. visual component because I find with uh, past successes, you can sort of, uh, if you've done something once, you can do it again. So if you can sort of say that you've done something, uh, especially with event painting or exhibitions, it could be anything really. And, and by just sort of stating to someone that you've done this and like maybe have a, a good story behind it. And then like not trying to finish every you know not trying to like make a sale essentially like right then and there but sort of sum it up get like let that person know that you'll follow up mm -hmm. and then just follow up and with social media with facebook and instagram with email uh even with linkedin it's so easy to get in touch with people on on all these different platforms so after you can just sort of follow up and and show them your website come up with an idea let that you know and put that out into the world and then if it's exciting and fun, usually like it's always good to have something that's sort of Fresh. good for them too. Uh, that's interesting. And then if they, they're interested, then, you know, you're working together. One thing maybe I can use it as, as an example is uh, you contacted some 
influencers on Instagram. And yes. you decided to basically draw them, which in turn made them post on their feed, which right. gets you instantaneously, like right then and there, you get in front of, you know, thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people. Right. So that to me was brilliant yeah. because you're using influencers by doing something for them. But in, in the end, you kind of get some exposure. So how did that come about? It was funny because it, it was born out of nothing really happening. <laughs> like there was, like I didn't have an art show on the horizon. I had time. I was drawing on the iPad. I needed material. And I was actually, I was, I was doing paintings also. And what happened was I noticed that on Instagram, I would see these, uh, you know, either people would post pictures of themselves, like action scenes, people walking, you know, doing different things. Or even posing with, with like, you know, like a, uh, a model in beautiful clothing. And I was like, wow, that's really a really in interesting shot. And I would kind of be inspired to paint and it would end up being included in a painting. And then it just dawned on me at one, one time to actually ask permission. Mm -hmm. So by asking permission, they got interested. And then I would send them the picture and they would post it and, and it would create this, this great energy. And it's not something that was uh, sustainable. Because I think one of the other things that maybe musicians could do is when you're in a down period and there's nothing happening, sort of create something, make something happen. And it doesn't have to be, there, there doesn't have to be money involved. It could be just like come up with a project, an idea and, and, and put it out in the world and see kind of where it goes. And, and I think for you, you gave it away. It's like, I did, it's yeah. like you, you didn't ask for money for this. No. You gave it away, but in the end, it ended up, you know, maybe coming back because you got some exposure. Right. It actually has evolved from it, it like, because I, there was the, uh, the, the people in the paintings and they would post it and there would be interest in it. And it helped me on Instagram for sure. And it helped get my, my art and, uh, my brand out, out my creative brand, but, uh, it has evolved in video because we're, we're doing like, I'm, I'm creating, uh, sort of the, the same concept of drawing on the iPad and, and capturing every brushstroke in video and then creating what we, we now call it a flip. You know? mm -hmm. So it's like a, a 10 second animated business card. But we've gone to influencers with these videos and they get excited about that just like they did with the influencer project. Mm -hmm. we've getting, we're getting actually financial work from it. So starting a project doesn't mean that when you, when you actually originally start it, you don't it's have the end vision, right? It doesn't have an end. It, there may not be an end game, but it could definitely evolve into something that is financial. So that's that's a perfect example of it. sort of an idea. So, and I, I liked collaborating with people and sort of reaching out just to see kind of what works. So a little bit of market research there. But then it uh, it actually evolved into a concept that paid. So if anybody listened to our show for, for the couple of years that we were on it, uh, about three years in total... They know that we've interviewed all kinds of different people. We had people in bands. We interviewed people in marketing. We had people that doing uh, charity work. Yeah. It was really an interesting... I, I really loved the experience. Uh, but they might be wondering, okay, since, since that time where we, we did our last show on, you know, in, in the town of Tequila, where, where they actually, you know, we're right by Jose Cuervo, the, yeah. the factory, which was a kind of a cool trip that we did. It was a great picture of uh, you and I in the basement in the uh, where they would serve the, the reserve for the family and friends, and they just opened that up to tours, mm. and we got to actually got some 
you know, got to taste some really good tequila. But since that time, you know, there's this big gap where we obviously have not had a podcast. I hope that we have some old listeners, uh, you know, kind of tuning in, yes. which would be kind of fun. What have you done since then? I mean, the, it's been a long time. We're talking like a good 10 years of it's, hiatus. It's so true. So uh, in the 10 years, I what was I doing back when I we, mean, had, we, had, we had an art studio. gallery, which we closed down because yeah. I moved back to Montreal. That, that was a fun experience. The, the, the thing about Splurge that kind of I still tell the story is that it was fantastic because what we did was we had traveled many times to Mexico. I had tons of pictures like Sayulita, different, you know, beach scenes and the yeah. architecture. And I would paint, we would paint them or I would paint them in Montreal in the snow and then wrap them up, bring them down to Mexico and then sell them to Canadians and then ship it back to Canada. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it made no sense. We made money and it was great, but it was not a market plan that uh, you that, that sustainable. worked. It wasn't a sustainable market plan. But it is, that does, if you break that down and you analyze it, it, it is interesting because if you had that painting in a shop in Montreal mm. or in, anywhere in Canada, a Canadian would probably not buy it. No. But it was being at the right place. Being in a destination, which is a vacation destination. Yeah, people relax. That makes it exciting. Right. And people would see it and they want to bring back a souvenir. And what was interesting is they're basically buying buying Canadian art. Yeah, in Mexico. In Mexico and yeah. then bring it back to Canada. Totally. So I don't know how that would apply to musicians in, I, per se, but it, it does give you the, the thought that obviously in real estate, they always say location, location, location. Right. Your art was in the perfect location. It was in a place where people were in a mind frame yeah. to buy. Right. When you're you know, sitting at home, you're maybe not in a mind frame, oh, I'm just going to go out tonight and buy a piece of art. But when you're traveling and you're having a good time, maybe you go out for a nice restaurant yeah. with your wife or a significant other, walking home and you see something that just strikes you as right. interesting and you're in that mood, I want to bring something back. I want to remember this moment. Yeah. Uh, that to me might be interesting, which is why... I think a lot, there's a lot of missed opportunities, in my opinion, at concerts. Oh, okay. How so? At concerts, you have that same emotional state. You have the emotional state of somebody that's outside of their home. Right. They've just experienced something. They've experienced a, a memory of listening to a live show. Just that alone is priceless. I mean, uh, if I look back over the last year... Of all the music I listen to when I'm in the house, I'm mostly listening to bands that I saw the year prior. Right. Because I have that special connection. Now there's a memory attached to the music. Yeah. And it has more meaning. But when I'm at the show, there's an even higher state of myself being in that moment. And I want to bring something back. And I I always go to the birch booths. Yeah. And I'm always disappointed because really? it's always the same thing. Yeah. You have the CD. Yeah. You might have vinyl, which I'm in, back into now as you know the whole thing comes back around. And you might have a t-shirt, maybe a toque and a hoodie, mm -hmm. maybe a poster. And that's pretty much it. Right. What we did is in Mexico, in terms of the art, we, we had all kinds of different sizes and different things that people can take back as a souvenir. Right. And it seemed to work for us because... Of yeah, and it's true. Like, uh, back then, we were using Vistaprint, and we could take any of those images that we created and put them on cards. And a band, you know, like how many... Like, it's the technology is so... Uh, I mean, you could take all kinds of cool shots of people playing, They, pro, you know, and, and you could have it printed. 
and you could sell that like it's like create create like a sort of a variation on the whole merch thing but i do like that being said we did that in mexico at the gallery at splurge but recently i the my most recent show was a week ago i had a show at metech art gallery it was only a three-day thing it was christmas was coming and you know i i shared the space with <laughs> I shared the space with uh, another artist, Kathy Benny, and we just decided, you know, like, let's let's invite all our friends. Let's have a party. Let's let's sell some art. And it worked. But what I learned from that show was because I did have prints that were framed, you know, inexpensive frames. I just took some cool shots and 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 printed them, put them under glass with a, a black frame with a little white mat. They looked amazing. They were reasonably priced, about seventy five dollars. And I also had a G clay prints and a G clay is a print on canvas, a reproduction, a, a reproduction by printing. Yes. And, uh, but it, they're, they're low numbers. You don't have to print. You can print one to 10 as opposed to if you're printing sort of a lithograph, uh, four color process. And that's like in the hundreds. So, you know, and you don't have to limit it, limited edition them. They're unique on their own because I alter them. It's called, so essentially it's called an embellished G clay. Those really got people's attention they were mid-range price compared to like my original art which like most expensive painting was like four thousand dollars mm-hmm. so yeah so and it, it it really made me think like i could sort of adapt and change and do so that actually the reproduction part kind of excited me because people i think there's a different generation too like maybe original art is not as important to mm-hmm. a younger crowd so as a maybe what older people kind of that's more important for them so i i learned from this this one show so i think adapting you know and feeling the crowd and figuring out kind of how you can adapt your your creativity to that i would take this as as a being a good lesson and having different price points for your audience mm. just talking about art i remember going to a july talk show at club soda this is a a couple of years ago i remember because they've played since then, they, they keep playing on bigger, bigger venues. They had prints, like photography prints. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Because I work with Montreal Rocks, I, I review a lot of shows, and we have a lot of amazing photographers. Right. I mean, these are wedding photographers that charge thousands of dollars. Sure. And here they are taking pictures for free. And that's a whole other whole other issue, because it's all about, you know, who owns the right? Is it's, it's, I'm, I'm the person being photographed, but do I own the right? But... In essence, they're getting really good photographers taking pictures of them. And I don't know how it worked out, but they were able to offer these really cool collectibles. Sure. But only at the show. Right. Uh, and I've gone to other shows where they've had a little bit more variety of, of things, of, of merchandise. And you can actually take home something mm. that was reasonable, you know, maybe in the sub $20 range that you can have as a momentum, a memento. And not have to break the bank of like... I've been to shows where the, like the t-shirts are $45. Yeah. It kind of reminds me. Do you remember when we went to Vegas? We went to the uh, art and frame show in Vegas. Yes. And we were walking around and you you bought these incredible posters. Yes. They, I, but they were like, re, they were done. They were concert posters, but I think they were done after the fact or maybe before. They were obviously reproductions. But they were so cool. They're, I mean, it just sort of like lets you know kind of. I mean, obviously, we're, we're describing something uh, on a podcast. In the show notes, I'll post pictures because those two posters, I have framed them. And yeah. I, I had them signed by the artist because the yeah. artist was there. Right. He was a 
an artist that would do these posters for all these old bands, basically in the psychedelic age, like Cream. Right. And the one I have is... Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Like Mozart. And I have Mozart. Yeah. And I, I wanted these two genres that were like just... To me, Mozart was like the punk of his generation. Yeah. Just like Jimi Hendrix was kind of a, a you know a visionary in terms of the way he, yeah. he played his guitar was like just incredible. So Still what, reverberates to this day. So what I'm what I'm getting from our conversation is that like musicians should team up with visual artists, you know, like help each other. And Definitely. I think I really think that, that that could lead to something, you know. And that being said, it's happened recently because uh, a very good friend of mine, like you mentioned, that is um, about how some of my friends are DJs. Mm-hmm. DJ Killa Jewel, she commissioned me to do a video. I animated the drawings of her, which were hand sketched drawings. We could, we put music underneath it from her scratch DJing. On many levels, artists can help musicians, like visual artists. Yeah, there might be different ways. Like yeah. I said, there was the July talk where they had the the pictures. Right. A lot of photography. A lot of uh, bands come and they'll have a poster designed by a graphic artist, like the Pixies, for example. Right. I went to the Pixie show, and they would have poster done for the Montreal show, and then they'd have. A discounted one for the you know they just came back from Toronto yeah so they'd have a leftovers of Toronto so they have a you could buy like the expensive Montreal you know one of a kind yeah. poster or the discounted Toronto show so a little tip if you ever go you want a poster just go to the next town <laughs> and then you'll get a discount on your own town totally <laughs> but uh day old posters yeah but those are are bought on a regular basis because people want to remember that event that, sure. that feeling that they have i don't think there's enough original art no it's and i think in terms of uh creativity like uh, i i love helping creatives I, I mean that's why we started a podcast in the first place right we're all about helping creatives back then it was painters and, and now I, I i decided to niche down to musicians because music has been such a big part of my life that's who i want to help but i think the the parallels are so deep of creatives in both in the visual arts and uh, the musical arts it's all about taking something that's inside of you and and putting out into the world and i mm. think there's definitely uh, something that could be done and who knows uh, maybe you'll be involved in in some projects in the future just like you've done with killer jewel and yeah i think that would be great um i did what little birdie like uh or shamani i did a, yeah. like a music video but it was like a long time ago and it was kind of rudimentary the the artwork but it was still something that we connected that, that we was did. like right at the beginning of your yeah of, of doing your, uh sort of ipad yeah. animation but i mean it, it sort of like let me think like oh that this is something that's possible and i mean this is kind of a sad thing and maybe we can re- remember her well but um christina Atala. yeah christina atala atala yeah. she uh, invited you back in the day to an event where she mixed uh, music, a concert, right. with art, right. with, with a lot of uh, different artists, painters, and I remember it was in a it was in a an old pool house or a place where there used to be like a a pool, and I remember the concert like a, swi- act, a swimming pool, a swimming pool, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> and people were actually sitting. I mean, the VIP section was in the the shallow end, yeah, and most of the people were sitting in the deep end, and then they'd have to look up. <laughs> What's stage. crazier is that she got sponsored by Speedo. Really? <laughs> but, uh, that always impressed me. But she she was a visionary, and unfortunately, she died at a very young age. Yeah. And that was a a very sad thing. I, I, I remember her fondly. I'd go sure. to a lot of her shows. Yeah, you and, did. 
anyway, that's it's a sad part, but to me, that was kind of cool because she was one of those artists that uh, embraced the visual as much as the auditory. Putting those two together made for an interesting experience. And I think people like, uh, you know, like Grimes, for instance, is is always doing things very like visual, like her her videos and and even her posts on Instagram are are very like contrasting, shocking videos and colors. Right. Not shocking in terms of content, but just like just bursts of like just intense stuff. And I, I think uh, there's a lot of, of marriage of, of the visual and the audio. Anything else that you can maybe think of that you've learned along the years? Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, like, there's so much. It's like, I mean, not that I've learned, but uh, I mean, in 10 years, anyone will, uh, will, you know, there's a lot of life that happens. Yeah, just allowing things to happen, putting things out there, meeting meeting people, you know, just going and, and, and finding like-minded people, creating collaborations. May I ask you a question? Sure. Now that we're both a little bit older, obviously 10 years older than when we were doing this podcast. No way. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that now that you're a little bit older, do you find that you, you don't have to try so much? Like when you're meeting somebody, mm, I, yeah, I remember I when, we, when we were both younger, we would try to maybe impress them or try to be somebody we're not to try to make this connection. Do you find that now it's easier just to be yourself and to not put that extra pressure on you, which makes better connection? A hundred percent. Without a doubt. With experience, you get accomplishment, you know, mm-hmm. and when you have certain accomplishments. Uh, Social proof. Then it, yeah. And then you, when you meet someone, it's very easy to, especially like, I mean, I won't say it's easy to sell a painting, you know, there's a, usually like someone is in the market for that. And, but uh, I find by just talking about past accomplishments and being nonchalant about it and not really being desperate, then people get intrigued. Mm-hmm. And then it, it often leads to a sale. It often leads to, uh, or a show or, or uh, someone. I also, what's really interesting is uh, when you're confident about what you're doing, people want to help you. Mm-hmm. So just allow that to happen. People will sort of step up and say, I know someone. Uh, you should do this, call this person, you know, you know, when you're on the right path, I don't, I actually don't think things should be too hard. I think that if it's working well, you know, that it's, it's good. If there's a flow. Yeah. If I think when you're in flow, I think that things work out really well and it should be, I mean, your, your, your talent will develop and people will see it and it sort of manifests after that. In terms of collaborations, you're a person that puts themselves out there. You go to events, you talk about yourself, and like we said, not by bragging, but by just finding a common ground. You're excited about your projects. Right. And that creates uh, these connections, often lead to collaborations or, right. or ideas. Yes. So how do you take that to the next level? How do you make an idea into something more concrete? Yeah, I think creating a, a physical event. I was thinking, like, as you were speaking, I was like, yeah, you, you I meet people and you you connect with them on social media after and you create sort of a community. But by having a physical event, creating a show that people can go to and uh, for a musician, you know, like that's, that's, that's the nature of, you know, that's the uh, new reality. That's yeah. the new reality is creating a show, but I don't think it has to be in a, uh, it could be in an alternative venue and it could be smaller than creating a huge show. That being said, because you're getting people to hear and, promote it. I think 
creating smaller events, but more frequently is really imperative to building up the amount of people that will follow you and be interested because of just the momentum of that people will post it on social media, take video, take photos, you know, it just takes off from there. Well, the whole nucleus of this whole show is based on the thousand true fans theory. Right. About you don't need millions of fans. You just need a thousand true fans. Mm, I agree. And it's about making smaller connections and having a smaller tribe. In terms of the tribe that you've built, how do you go about finding people to be in your tribe, your little social circle of friends? Um, what have you found works best? Well, okay. One of the things that a, a phenomenon that has happened, which I, I didn't intend, <laughs> which is kind of funny, is, uh, well, I, I started taking care of myself by going to the gym and there's a CrossFit gym not far and, mm. and it's, it's expensive to get in. So I think it's kind of like a club, you know, so there's a lot of people with a little bit more money there than, you know, at the... There's a barrier of entry. The, yeah, there's a barrier of entry and people who go repeatedly are pretty motivated people because it's pretty intense. Uh, I have a friend, you know, who who I've met there who really likes my art. I showed it to him. He's now become my art wingman. So, <laughs> so w- when I go, when I when I'm a new person at the gym comes over, he'll say, "Hey, have you met Kevin? Have you seen his art? It's amazing." And that's a great entry level start. That's a true fan. That's that, exactly. He is, he that's is, the definition of a true yeah. fan. Yeah, and he he had only seen my art online, mm-hmm. and he was just really like ambitious and helpful and nice and I was like wow it's like I mean really like it's it's always better to have someone else talk about your work than you you know so that's why I think like maybe sort of like figure out the perfect wingman (laughs) but what's really funny is that he came to my my last exhibit at uh, Matek Art Gallery he came he was the last person to come on the last day he said he was going to come and he said okay fine he and he 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 came in and he sells real estate you know commercial real estate so he's a he's in business and he's used to selling things for big money and he looked at my art and he looked at everything and he looked over and he asked me tons of questions and he goes, right off, he goes, we're going to go into business together. So he's going to set up a website and help me sell my reproductions. Mm-hmm. So as I was tell- talking before about prints and, and G-clays that are going to be modified and embellished, and that, that kind of excited me. I like other people being excited about my work. It creates this this great energy. So yeah, so I, uh, I guess the majority of people recently has been through fitness other uh, places that I've met people without actually trying was uh, there's this incredible music cafe in Montreal called uh, Mariposa Cafe. And I went awesome there. Place. I went I went there and uh, Victor LaBelle invited me to to do live painting of uh, their open mic night of musicians. So I was doing these paintings and this this lady who who's there uh, saw me and she works in events and she hired she she recommended uh, me to get in, into live painting at events and she's hired me many, many times throughout the years. So it's sort of just going to different places and sort of finding ways of meeting new people. Uh, there's been other places too. Uh, it's just none, none come to mind at the moment. Those yeah. are the two places that kind of, and also, I mean, there's the art gallery Matek that I like very much and, and I go there. I meet so many other like-minded people and there's a lot of connections that are met there also. The, the major thing that I've seen throughout your career, and I think that can really help uh, the listeners, is that just like musicians used to rely on album sales, on physical sales right. of something to make a living, you 
as an artist, used to rely on physical sales, like selling your original art. But you've had to kind of go to the next level and go into digital art, go into performing at events, which is live painting. You've gone into making giglets, making uh, small print runs of something and and doing small modifications to it to make it uh, original. So it's still... Uh, an original piece of art, but much easier to to scale. Sure. And I think that's a, a big lesson that we can put in terms of uh, how we can apply what you've learned over the last uh, you know, 20 years of your experience uh, to an artist is about breaking those barriers and not thinking only of the album or only thinking about the performance, but thinking about everything that goes around it. Mm. You know, for you doing a corporate gig it is not selling out. It's 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 reaching a different audience and just providing a creative outlet uh, where people can appreciate you in, in a different format. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for artists to to do the same things as visual artists, is, which is to break out of their shell and not just think of the club or, or the stadium tours or all that, but finding different ways where they can showcase their music and showcase their talent. Because just like you, you're, you're a very uh, incredibly talented painter and uh, people deserve or should see your work because it's it's worthy, and I think the same thing applies to music. So I think there's a lot of uh, things that can be learnt from your history. And the other thing that comes to mind, uh, I mean, those are I I kind of mentioned locations, like physical locations. So I think there's two other factors that come to mind. One is my website being not for just selling, but also for for people to research me. I think that's a really big factor is oh, that I, I got to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's really, I find uh, just about credibility people before they ever will hire you will look you up. And I think that, that, that could be like a deciding factor. And I think that uh, it's actually something I'm really exploring now because I I've gone deep into learning WordPress like I've taken it upon myself to understand my website and to get it the way I want it because I was hiring people before and and I never got what I wanted. Well, you're even you're though on, it, you're it having did, their vision. Yeah, 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 and it just and it's expensive and and also I'm using Instagram a lot, which has just recently got me work. I've really modified spending time on every image. The other point that I wanted to mention was I think that there's something to be said about finding key people like there are people who are connectors mm-hmm. like incredible connectors and if you can sort of get to them then you can open yourself up to a wider audience so i you know i kind of mentioned going to the gym and going to the cafe and those are great because things have just slowly expanded but there are you key, made a lot of important i made, I made important connections to a community to different communities that I was different from, like I, I wasn't, I'm not a musician, but I like being around musicians and they've kind of adopted me into that community and also working out, you know, like in this the gym community, I'm, I'm a huge anomaly by being an artist. Like I'm very different. Mm-hmm. So because I'm different, people will be intrigued and remember me. But I think that finding key people like throughout my career, they may not necessarily be art dealers, or music producers, you know, like I think, but I think there are key people who... But they might connect you. They there connect. might be one step, to, one and, step away. And uh, just to keep that in mind, you know, I think mm. that they're out there and sometimes if you can sort of sort of navigate yourself to these people, then you can sort of 
you know, some of them, like, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying it. There, there's a new brand writer blog, uh, Janu Lapin. Mm -hmm. And I did a, a, a video for her mm -hmm. and she loved it. And she sent it out to all her followers. And she has a TV show about art and she wrote about me on her blog. So I think that, you know, that might be just one of many connectors that I've met throughout my, my life. And I uh, think that it's important to you can take it to the next level, take it. Yeah, it often. I mean, it's hard to say, like, what's the next level, you know, because the levels keep changing. But I think that communities are, you know, it, like we're social, we're social creatures. And I think if you can get those people that really that everyone respects their opinion, then definitely you're ahead. Yeah. So I think between the Internet and connectors, I think that's really important. And I just want to go back as a music journalist, going back towards the website making sure that people could research you i find that uh, very frustrating when i i'm about to review a band or something and i i have to rely on, on you know wikipedia or something but i i want to go to the website you know and, and a lot of times the copy is so bad or the you know the write-up that they do for themselves is kind of pretty lame yeah and it doesn't help me much if you want to have publicity if you want to have press you kind of have to help yourself by creating a good story and having a good you know you, you have to brand yourself you have to control the narrative and you can do that on your own website yeah. by making sure that you're telling the story that you want people especially those in the media to hear sure and to uh, promote because i'm going to write what i read and just kind of rehash it for my audience so you want to make sure that that part is tight and that you exactly know who you are and you, um, it's very hard. I mean, to find your identity, it took you multiple I, years. Yeah, to, I've been at it for like twenty years, and you're still and, like I, and, and I kind of felt a shiver when you said like, like uh, what was it? What was the word you said? It was uh, you have to sh like, like shore it up, or you know, like you have to yeah. make sure it's tight. You know, your whole website. I don't actually feel I'm there yet. I'm still learning that, and I still am trying to figure out kind of what the brand is. Yet I've been very successful, so. You know, so I think that there's definitely an, uh, uh, it's a never ending process. Like you, uh, there's no perfection, but at the same time to get that information that's available for people. And somebody recently, like I did a good friend of mine is uh, in marketing and does a lot of website design. And I asked her about that. Her tips on websites were simplicity. Don't go crazy. Like white, you know, is perfect, you know, and like make sure you have very good photos very good copy, very good text. But the thing that really struck me was she goes, don't worry about your brand. Don't worry because it'll emerge on its own. And I, that was the don't first time. Don't force your brand. Don't, yeah, because I, I think that that's the thing I've been thinking about because I've read like a lot of books on on uh, marketing and branding. And I've, and, I've dragged you to events. And you've dragged, and, and yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's the one of the big things. But Actually, the brand will evolve on its own. Mm. Sometimes you can kind of force it. And sometimes stepping aside from being the artist and looking at like maybe trying to be the viewer of your own work, mm. or even when you're having events, pay attention to when to what people the, are saying, because sometimes they're telling you who you are mm. and you don't even know it. So that's kind of interesting for me. Like that's where I'm, I'm at now is I just want to make sure everything's concise and clear and i get the my truest self out through my website but i'm not worrying about 
all the the deep branding marketing text stuff so i feel a part two coming okay <laughs> i think so there's so much we can we can touch on first of all i, I want to just thank you for the many years that you were a co-host with me yeah it was fun uh, we had a, a great time i think we helped a lot of people especially creatives find a way to get their feet wet with the business of art and i think what i want to do with this show is do the same thing but focus on musicians but really any creative can use the tips that we we talk about to help them kind of get out of their shell and and we know how hard it is you're you're focused on the creation but it deserves to be put out to the world and the only way people will find out about it is if you put that hard work which you've done for so many years and and you have a lot of uh, experience and you've given us a lot of good tips uh, today. I appreciate you as a co-host. I appreciate you as a friend. And I think you've uh, done really well. And it's really cool to see the evolution of back in the day when we we're just figuring things out. Yeah. Uh, to see, you know, you've done events. You've, you've kind of branched out into the digital world. You got out of that traditional artist role of just being a painter but you've branched out into different ways to express your creativity. And I think that's going to be very important for musicians is to find different ways to reach people with their art that's maybe non-traditional, maybe not an album, might, might not even be a concert, might be different ways yeah. that they can get there. So I appreciate uh, this. And I look forward to, I think we're going to have to have an episode two to kind of dig into more yeah, I think so. of the meat of the matter. Yeah, and, and we just how cover we can, the service. Yeah, so, but I, I appreciate this and uh, it's great to be back with you. Yeah. And to have this uh, kind of reunion episode. Yeah. We've had a long history together, and I appreciate your time. I'll see you on the outside, as I, I used to say on the old podcast. <laughs> see you on the outside. <laughs> see you on the outside. If you enjoy the show, share it with other musicians. Help us spread the word. Theme song written and performed by Wolves at Midnight. Thanks for listening to the Rockstar Today podcast. Now go out there and rock your business like you rock the stage.